It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, October 12, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka Fire Department responded Thursday when the wheels of a small plane caught fire during a routine maintenance check at Rocky Gutierrez Airport. Fire Chief Craig Warren says the department received a call shortly after 3.30 p.m., the airport is one of the few areas out of the city's jurisdiction when it comes to fire management. The Alaska Department of Transportation takes the lead there, although the fire department always responds to support DOT's efforts. Warren says around 12 people responded to the wheel fire, including an engine, ambulance, and support vehicle. Warren says the plane had not taken off or landed, and the fire was out by the time they arrived. Yakutat has a new health center after nearly six years of planning and construction. Expanded services and a multi-million dollar facility mean that residents will no longer have to travel outside of the community for many of their medical needs. KCAW's Erin McKinstry reports. Rhoda Jensen is the executive health director for the Yakutat Clinkett Tribe, which runs the Yakutat Community Health Center. When she started working at the clinic 10 years ago, the operations were limited. When I first was here, we had very very limited dollars and couldn't even afford a new x-ray machine. Our x-ray was from the 1980s that we used forever. The tribe leased a small space, but they didn't have adequate facilities or staff to meet demand for services like dental, vision, or behavioral health. Many residents had to get on a plane or boat to get the health care they needed. And at that point... I had a staff of seven and um, could see a lot of things that needed to change and to happen. So they submitted a proposal to Indian Health Service for a joint venture construction project. If the tribe could find the funding to build a new facility, IHS would pay to operate it for at least 20 years. 37 tribes applied, and the Yakutat Clinkett tribe was one of seven awarded a contract. The city and borough of Yakutat transferred the land to the tribe at no cost, and the tribe used grant funding and financing to build. Kelly Leesman is the project manager and engineer for the new clinic, which opened its doors at the end of September. I have been an advocate for tribal self-governance, in particular for small tribes, and to see uh, this tribe go from a very, very small clinic to a very large clinic to take on the level of responsibility and increase the level of care for the community and has just been just tremendous. Leesman has worked on similar projects in rural Alaska for decades, and he's watched what he refers to as a downward spiral of many small communities as depopulation leads to loss of funding for schools and local health care services. That spirals into further depopulation, he says, and it can be hard to come back. And, and Yakutat had actually hit that threshold, and they are now coming back uh, from that brink. So uh, we're seeing people moving back. A uh, large part of it is because of this clinic. The 22,000-square-foot facility will offer expanded and specialized services like internal medicine to all members of the community and the region, not just tribal citizens. Offering services locally will help people gain access to the care they need more quickly, Jensen says. And that's all the more important right now during the pandemic. If someone can come to our clinic and get a root canal or get a crown 
and not have to travel out of the community, especially with COVID. Um, that's just bringing more resources and avenues to the patient to not have to spend as much money for not only the beneficiary, but the non-beneficiary. Jensen says the tribe worked with community members, including elders, to design the new facility. It will also house a wellness center with traditional healing services, a sauna, and an exercise facility once the risk from COVID subsides. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. Hecla Greens Creek Mine plans to expand its waste storage capacity on Admiralty Island. That's to keep the silver, gold, and zinc mine open past 2031, according to filings with the U.S. Forest Service. Friday was the start of a 45-day period in which the public can examine and comment on the company's plans to expand its tailings and waste rock storage by about 5 million cubic yards, or about 1,500 Olympic-sized swimming pools. A pair of virtual meetings are scheduled later this month on the proposal. There will be an opportunity to ask questions. The mine's expansion will require federal, state, and local permits to expand on public land leased in Tongass National Forest. The company reports producing nearly 9.9 million ounces of silver last year, making it the largest silver producer in the country. Hecla Greens Creek is one of the largest private sector employees in southeast Alaska, with around 400 employees and a payroll in excess of $50 million. Tongass National Forest Supervisor Earl Stewart released a statement saying the federal agency recognizes mineral exploration on public lands is important for the well-being of the nation. He added that his staff would ensure measures are in place to protect water quality and nearby aquatic habitats. The virtual public meetings are scheduled to be held between 5.30 and 7.30 p.m. on October 20th and October 29th. Registration is available on the Tongass National Forest official website. The Central Council of Shingit and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska hosted a virtual candidate forum on Thursday with four Southeast House candidates. KSTK's Sage Smiley has this breakdown of where the candidates vying to represent Districts 35 and 36 fall on some state and local issues. Candidates for State House in Southeast Alaska districts spanning Kajakan, Petersburg, Sitka, Wrangell, Prince of Wales Island, and a number of villages all agree Alaska's fiscal future is the most pressing problem facing the state. Not very exciting or sort of sexy to think about per se, but... That's Representative Jonathan Christ Tompkins, House District 35's Democratic incumbent from Sitka. But what the budget really represents is um, the health and welfare of all communities and citizens. And His challenger is Huna Republican Kenny Carl Scaffolstead, who says he believes the state can't keep trying the same fixes and hoping they'll work. So I think the biggest problem is a perhaps lack of fresh views, a uh, potential uh, uh, diversified attention towards resource development as a source of uh, additional revenue and economic development in the state to help us. Also, responsible budgeting for state services is paramount. In other words, he says he supports more timber, mining, and oil drilling to close the gap. Both are vying to represent House District 35, which covers the coast to the mainland from Chichikov Island in the north to Mitkoff Island in the south. While the candidates said they agree that Alaska's financial situation is its most pressing issue, they differ on solutions. Representative Christ Tompkins says he supports an income tax. Huna Republican Kenny Scaffolstead says he's against new taxes. Ketchikan Republican Leslie Becker agreed. The elected member of Ketchikan's school board is in the House District 36 race challenging Ketchikan incumbent Representative Dan Ortez. 
She says as a last resort, she supports a flat tax that would tax Alaskans at the same rate regardless of income level. Her platform focuses on raising revenue from developing the state's natural resources, oil, mining, fishing, and timber, rather than taxation as the way out of the fiscal crisis. I just, I believe we need to right-size our government, we need to put in a spending cap, and we need to open up our economic development for our natural resources. House District 36 covers Ketchikan, where both candidates live, as well as Wrangell and the southern half of Prince of Wales Island. Representative Ortez says Becker's development plan is not realistic in the short term. Development takes time that Alaska doesn't have. As much as I would agree, I, we would all prefer not to pay more taxes. There's just no question about that. But the reality is, is that you can't, you can't get there with a balanced budget without looking at added revenues. And it's just as simple as that. Turning to education, challengers Scaffolstead and Becker emphasized a need to tailor education to local needs, both noting a need to conserve money where possible. Representative Christ Tompkins also mentioned a need for education flexibility and support during COVID to make sure schools with dropping enrollment aren't closed down, possibly denying education to future generations. Dwindling funds and investment in Alaskans is also a primary concern for candidates when thinking about the state ferry system. Scaffolstead says Southeast lawmakers and their allies will need to keep making the case that the marine highway is not expendable. The long-term solution is to uh, is to drive the necessity of the marine highway system in, in Southeast Alaska home. It is not to be a political football placed on a table to be bargained with. His opponent and Representative Ortez made similar remarks. District 36 candidate Becker says the Marine Highway's finances should be closely scrutinized. Because this is an extremely expensive proposition, we need to look at it from an efficiency side, which requires kind of a, the willingness to peel back the veneer on all levels and do a forensic audit across the board. With just an hour to hear from all four candidates, Klinka and Haida President Richard Peterson invited people to send written questions for candidates to answer at a later time. Registration for November's general election is now closed, but registered voters wishing to vote absentee have until October 24th to request ballots. More information can be found at the Alaska Division of Elections website. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Thursday, an Anchorage judge ordered Alaskan Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy's administration to pay nearly $200,000 in legal fees to the campaign seeking to recall him. The ruling from Judge Herman Walker Jr. can be appealed to the Alaska Supreme Court. It comes after Dunleavy's administration refused to certify the recall campaign's application, saying it did not meet legal requirements. That decision came based on advice of former Attorney General Kevin Clarkson. The recall campaign sued and won the case in a fight that went to the Supreme Court. The campaign is continuing to gather signatures in an effort to put the recall question on the ballot, but its pace has slowed amid the COVID-19 pandemic. A spokeswoman for the Alaska Department of Law declined to comment, saying the agency was reviewing the ruling. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.